With the pandemic that came upon us, the rise of video conferencing tools like Microsoft Teams and Zoom has led to more aspects of the sales conversation to occur virtually. And what began as a crisis reaction has evolved into the new normal. But how normal is the new normal? We're talking about how the strong shift from in-person to virtual selling has transformed B2B sales experience. Virtual sales enablement, new organizations, KPIs, everything is evolving. In the Virtual Selling Podcast, we address these issues in depth twice a week with the experts and leaders of these transformations, heads of sales, sales ops, and sales enablement of the most innovative companies in the field. This podcast is sponsored by SalesDeck.io, the new SaaS platform to make your customer meetings more engaging and better prepared. Find out how you can shorten sales cycles, convert more leads, and increase customer engagement. Virtual selling is here to stay, and so is SalesDeck.io. Hi, everybody. I'm very happy to be with Matt Austin today. He is head of global inside sales in Comfy and has about 15 years of experience in sales. Hi, Matt. Hey, Gabriel. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Fine. Thanks a lot. Could you tell us what you do at Comfy and who is Comfy a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, at Comfy, we're actually a part of Siemens. Um, and what we have is a workplace experience platform that we target uh, in the global 2000 of organizations to provide them the tools necessary to bring workforces back into the office um, and allow those workers to feel connected to the spaces in which they work. Um, okay, so you are at the right time at the right moment. Right time, right place. Yeah, um, great. <laughs> so it, it, it's a fun challenge to try to tackle. And, and so my role at Comfy is I am leading our global inside sales team, which is focused on sales development organizations. We've got a team here in North America. Uh, we're building a team based out of Germany to support the European market um, and, and continuing to grow given the, uh, the dynamics that the world finds itself in today. Great. And you wanted to speak about sales team mindset? Yeah, I mean, look, you can go anywhere today, uh, especially if you scroll LinkedIn for five or 10 minutes and come up with a hundred different tactics on how to write a better email, what subject lines convert better, how to leave a voicemail that gets returned. I think there's enough people that know a lot about that that talk about that. What I don't see or hear a lot of people talking about in the market today is what's the mindset necessary to be able to effectively deploy those tactics to stack the cards in your favor as a seller to get closer to the thing that we all need, need, know, and love, which is our, our, our revenue goals and quota numbers. Yeah, it's true that we don't speak a lot about mindsets. Uh, so what is the right mindset? How do you build this mindset? No, that's a great question. And it's something that I talk to my team about on a weekly basis, right? The first part of, of, of building a mindset that's going to help you success, succeed in sales is to have a mindset that's focused not on the outcomes of our activities, but on the process and the activities that then lead to those outcomes. So one of the things that, that I work with my team closely on, and I've been working with sales teams on for 10 years now, is really understanding your individual math, right? Um, story I share a lot is, I, I the, the first time that I was given a quota of a million dollars, I remember the conversation well. I called one of my mentors and told him that I'd been assigned a million dollar quota. There was no way that I was going to be able to do this. I should probably start to look for a job somewhere else because it was just, it was such an overwhelming thought and such an overwhelming idea for me to, to try to put together something that was going to lead at the end of the year to a million dollars. I just, I, I hadn't done it before. I couldn't picture how it was going to happen. Um, he told me to take a deep breath, slow down. Um, and broke the number down for me. 
said, okay, so if you have to do a million dollars this year, what does that mean you have to do on a quarter by quarter basis? Okay, well, a million divided by four is $250,000 a year. Okay, so, so that eased, you know, lowered my heart rate a little bit. Um, he asked me about what my average deal size and our average deal size at the time, I think was about $25,000. He said, okay, so you need to close 10 deals a year or 10 deals a quarter to get to $250,000. Great, what's your close rate? So right now it's about 30, 35%. He says, okay, well, we use three to one. So you need to have 30 opportunities in your funnel in order to close the 10 to get the $250,000. Great. How many demos do you need to do to get to those opportunities in your funnel? I said, well, you know, we're converting about 50% of those. He says, okay, so now you need in the quarter to do 60 days. And we worked this backwards all the way back until we got to a point where I knew exactly how many phone calls I needed to make on a daily basis. I meant exactly how many emails I needed to make on a daily basis. And some of the other prospecting activities that we were doing at the time on LinkedIn and other things. So that if I could do those on a daily basis, I could be pretty confident that by the end of the quarter, I would be at that first 25% of my chunk at getting to a million dollars. It's the same math, like an OKR type of uh, uh, objective and key results at the same type of uh, way to divide the objectives. It's kind of in the same idea, right? Of, of where you take your objective for the year, for the quarter and break it down into measurable results at the time to again, allow you to focus on what do I need to do today, right? It's really easy, especially as, as sellers come into new quarters, coming into new years to look up at the number that they've got and to feel overwhelmed, right? And if I can just focus on the fact that I need to do these things today, they're absolutely controllable by me Right, I can control whether or not I pick up the phone. I can control whether or not I send an email. I can't always control how the prospect is gonna to respond to my message. I can't control whether they're in a place in the buying process where they're ready to engage with me. I can't control the economic conditions in which their, op their organization is operating. And so all of those things I can't focus on because all that'll do is get me spinning my wheels Right, which in say, for me personally leads to negative self-talk. I'm not good at this. People don't want to buy from me. Why am I even doing this? Why, why am I even doing this? Right. But what I found over the course of, the lot of my career is when I can focus on those daily activities, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen because the math leads to the math. Yes, but you have to be very sure about your conversion rate, about your demo rate. All those ratings are not so so certain and so consistent, especially across the sales team, you have always have top performer on one side and lower performer on the other side. How do you manage this consistency and this uh, and those rate to be to, to be strong? Yeah, so we do a couple of things. Number one, they're individually focused, right? With the CRM tools, sales engagement tools that we have today, I can break those numbers down for each member of my team to see the variance, right? And most sales, sales leaders are doing that today to find areas for coaching, right? And, and looking at how my top performers are, are performing across their entire sales funnel and how do I help coach up my lower performing reps to bring them up to top performer status. So they should have access to that on an individual basis. The other thing that I do is I sit down every quarter with my team and we review it. We looked at what was our math last quarter. We look at what our math is this quarter and make sure that we make those adjustments as we go forward, right? Um, I, my experience has been month to month is a little bit too fast to do it. You don't catch, um, a 
as much. The, there's not as much of an adjustment, but that quarter by quarter allows you to catch changes in the marketplace as you move forward and doesn't force you to wait until the end of the year to realize, hey, we made a math mistake back in Q2 that's now caused us to come up short in Q4. Okay, and so how do you work with the low performer to make them becoming better? Well, so there's a number of things. I mean, another part of the mindset that I think successful sales needs, sales professionals need is that growth mindset, right? That ability to understand that number one, I don't know it all. Number two, there's other people out there that know more than me. And number three, I have the ability to learn more so that I can do more. Part of that that we vet out is part of our interview process, right? That's one of the key characteristics that we look for as we interview people is do or do they not have that growth mindset, right? Um, and then the second part is just working with them and helping them identify where the areas are, putting together solid plans for how to address those areas. Um, I've, we've done things like sitting down and, and having them um, shadow another rep that's one of our top performers and listen to the differences in how they are on the phone versus how the lower performer is. We can do a lot of that in conversation intelligence tools today and make that process much faster. But all the way down to things like bringing out sales books, right? Uh, there's, there's thousands of books out there on different aspects of the sales process, on the entire sales process itself. Um, and so we work with them and then by keeping these coaching plans online and things like Google Docs, we can then track the progress against those, those coaching plans and be able to show the sellers um, the progress that they're making. And do, do you see that uh, low performer are, are following less the process, because, uh, doing their own stuff, or it's different type of uh, reasons that they are, are performing less than the others? Everybody's a little bit different. I, I, I wish there was a, a, a single t problem or a single tool that we could solve that would make everybody uh, a top performer or achieve at least close to that level. Um, the ones I see the most aren't always that they're not following the process, right? But um, it's little pieces within those process, right? So is it how I'm transitioning from objection handling to getting a meeting set while I'm on the, on the phone, right? Sometimes that can, that can be a challenge. Sometimes you have people that just have hesitancy in making phone calls, right? They're scared of rejection. And so how do we help them overcome that fear of rejection? Um, and that goes in part of that growth plan, right? Uh, but you need to be able to, to, to foster the advice and have people with the mindset that we can be open and honest about what we're seeing and, and what the causes of that is. And then have a conversation about exactly how do we go about addressing it. And as long as the... The salesperson brings that open mindset, that, that, that growth mindset with them. Um, usually we can continue to improve that performance level over time. Okay. And, and uh, what is, uh, when, when you have increased everybody, what is the variance between the, the, the ones that still are the top performer and the ones that are better, lower performer or mid performers? Is that a, is there a, a great difference or it, at the end, it's very consistent? You, you try not to have a, that wide variance, right? Um, but that's what happens when you have a team full of sellers that are all, all individuals, right? My goal is not to have more than a 15 or 20% variance between my number one performer and my bottom performer. Um, I've been able to achieve that sometimes, and sometimes it's a, there's a lot more work that needs to go into it, right? Um, but... We also need to look at, you know, 
I can't just judge against top performers. I've had teams where my top performer was hitting consistently at 140%, right? Okay. Um, yeah, he was 35% ahead of everybody else on the sales team, right? And so if I took my lowest performer who was coming in at, you know, to around 80, 75, 80% quota and judged him against somebody who was 140% quota, that's not, a, that's not a fair judgment, right? What, you, what, I, what I've tried to look at and what I have my team look at is, how are we doing individually against the team? And then we look across, then as a leader, I can look across the team and see on average, how is my team doing against the ball? Um, and not skew the numbers by looking at what may be a superstar top performer, which we love to have, but can skew the expectation for the rest of the team if we're not looking at how are we doing against the goals that we as a team are set versus um, the top performance of one individual. And what make him such a top performer? What was his tips or tricks or just attitudes that worked? You know, I, what I have found consistently across top performers is their willingness to just jump in and do the work, right? Um, they are fanatical about protecting their time. So they will have time blocks dedicated to specific tasks throughout the day. And, then, and those become sacred, right? So um, they don't get scheduled over. They make time in their calendars for the, the things that they have to do, but they're also making time in their, in their schedules to do the things that are going to keep them in front of everybody else. Um, so that, that's where the, you know, the ideas of time blocking um, and doing those things in the calendar to set aside not just times to make cold calls, but specific goals in this block of 45 minutes, I'm going to make 30 phone calls with the goal of setting two, two meetings, right? They get very, very specific about how they use those blocks of time. They're very protective about those prospecting time. And that tends to keep them at an or above quota consistently, especially compared to peers that, that aren't quite as technical. So it's really related to what you said at the beginning in terms of mindset, if in terms of activity-based selling, uh, being very strict on what you do and uh, achieving what you can control. Absolutely. I mean, if we look at any portion of the sales funnel, right? And so right now I'm leading a team of SDRs who's focused on filling the top of the funnel with opportunities, but they have a funnel as well, right? And by doing the activities and putting the right things at the top of the funnel, understanding how things convert through the funnel, you can bet that you're going to be pretty close of what comes out of the funnel. Like you mentioned, as long as your math is up to date and, and stays relevant and correct. And so by having teams that are focused on activities and not outcomes, one of the things that we get out of that is we tend to be closer to our number on a, on a monthly and quarterly basis, right? Because we've done the math to understand what those activities can be. And number two, my sellers seem to be happier, right? because they can go through spirit periods where all they hear is no, right? And it, it happens yeah. to every salesperson that's ever spent any time in a seat carrying a bag or carrying a quota, right? There are, there's ups and downs, it happens, but it's about how do we approach those downs when they happen? And by what I've found in my career is giving people activity to focus on, on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and a monthly basis, it allows them to continue to work through those down periods and feel good about themselves even when things are down because they're continuing to hit on the goals that we've set as a team. And how do you motivate them when they, 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 they receive a lot of no? And uh, uh, is there some challenge? Is there some uh, 
coaching to 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 make them uh, uh, more more consistent or more focused you know the, 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 there's a lot of tools one of my favorite ones is uh doing group call blitzes right and you get everybody together you can do it virtually everyone logs into zoom and you round robin whose turn it is to call and you do that for an hour and a half and everybody kind of laughs and jokes and listens and uh you get real-time feedback on on your calls that you're making you're you're able to give real-time feedback it does a lot to build the camaraderie of the team and that tends to help carry people through uh, especially when they're having a low point the other thing that i think carries people when they're low is is knowing that the organization has still has their best interest in right um and, and that they work for leaders that care about their success and are doing everything that they can to help ensure that that success continues. Okay. And can you explain me, or do you do this round robin and, and call with other people doing that remote? Uh, you, you have on your computer, you have two, two screens. So what is the technical solution for that? Yeah, I mean, we've done it using Zoom in the past. Yeah. Uh, and actually WebEx, just to kind of date myself, this was a little bit before then. Uh, but yeah, you get everybody on the same meeting. And if, if they have two screens, great, that makes it easier. You can also just flip tabs. But, but you have the customer in the same meeting too? No, this is just sellers. Okay. They're so, on their phone. They have their okay. phone. They have their call list in front of them. Okay. And it's your turn. You get on your phone. You put it on speaker. You put it up next to the computer. You know, keep it close. So your computer mic can hear both sides of the conversation. Okay. We just And we go around the horn. Each person okay. goes. Right? When I'm done making my call, Gabriel, you've already got a number. You know who you're calling. You know what your call objective is. It's your turn. When you're done, we move to the next person and we just continue to rotate around like that um, for the duration of the call block that we set. And they succeed in staying serious and uh, staying concentrate on the call? On the calls we do, but you know what? We laugh and joke in between it, right? Okay. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, what it is, it's, it's all about just helping to build that culture and that 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 team affect that, that I know most of the salespeople that I work with really enjoy. And when we're in an environment where we can't always be sitting next door to the person, the people that we're working with, this is just a way that I found that, that kind of helps to build that camaraderie and build that teamwork um, when you can't be there in person to do it. Yeah, it's very nice. It's, it's very easy to, 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 to do it. And uh, I believe true that you, you, you can create bond like that and you can have fun together and and to to rebuild the motivation through that it, it's a very nice trick yeah absolutely i mean look sales is a hard job right it's it's one of the few jobs in the world where you deal with getting rejected more often than you deal with success and if you're gonna help make help people get through that and make it in an environment that encourages it understands it and and, and builds people up even even in the face of that i think that's what we've got to focus on especially as sales leaders in this environment do you, do you want to share a, a last trick with it with us uh, or a last solution to, to keep this uh, uh, mindset strong together? No, I mean, I think I, I, those two were the key. The last one is, is helping, helping people build resilience, right? Um, it's, in sales, we have to understand that no is part of our reality, right? But if I can get to that no faster and if I cannot take the no's personally because of all the things that can be happening in a customer um, at any given time, it allows me to, to pick up and make that next phone call. Um, and there's a number of different tricks that we can use to help to build that. Um, 
one of the ones that I like is, it, is uh, again, sitting with and, and continuing to talk with and, and, and role play with and, and call with those individual sellers. Um, but I think part of that is, is what we look for throughout, throughout the interview process, looking for people that have had to work through struggles, right? That have done that and done that successfully and know that they can come out the other side. Yeah, and I think that resilience is a real value in the in in job in life uh, resilience is really something important so uh, yeah well and in, in, in sales you're either going to learn it or you're going to find something else to do um, yeah, true. It's, uh, it, it's an absolute job requirement to be successful around here true true very true thanks a lot this episode of the virtual selling podcast is over thanks for sticking around join us twice a week for a new episode with new stories and challenge of giants in the field if you enjoyed today's episode, we are always listening for your feedback. Share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episode. This episode was brought to you by SalesDeck.io, the virtual selling platform that increases your sales team efficiency and sales readiness, enable remote management and vamp sales operational excellence. Book your SalesDeck.io demo today to discover how you can close more deals with engaging and better prep customer meeting. Thanks a lot, Matt. It was really a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun, Gabriel. Thanks a lot for having me.